0: You'll turn in your Bibles with me to Deuteronomy chapter 5. I'm going to read the Sabbath commandment again and also read from Matthew 11 and Jesus' words on rest this morning. I do have one announcement that I forgot to mention. It's uh, good news. Uh, there is congratulations owed to Jay and Aaron Twining as they had their little girl last week on Wednesday morning, uh, Persephone Rosalind. So if they're online, I can't tell. Um, congrats to you guys. I meant to, I meant to do that earlier, so we wish them rest. Yeah. All right. Um, let's read the t- the tank, the f- fourth commandment here is Deuteronomy chapter 5 verses 12 to 15. I'm also going to read verse 6 here. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. And verse 12, observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. the Lord your God has commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. And in Matthew 11:28 to 30, Jesus says, "Come to me, all who labor and are heavy-laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. And this is God's word. He has spoken to us today in love. Uh, May we hear him speak. Let's pray. Father, as we come and meditate on your rest, uh, we come with all the many reasons we don't rest. Uh, We bring our anxiety. We we are proud. Um, We're also in in pain. And so I pray as we look at this commandment, uh, you would show us Jesus, And we would hear his words and enter into his rest. That we might be a compelling witness of the gospel in the world. uh, And your goodness to us. That people might see Jesus in the way we rest. And we pray in Christ's name. Amen. It's interesting. We're talking about the the Sabbath commandment. And out of the ten commandments... This is the only one that Christians go, maybe it is not for all Christians at all times that maybe because of Jesus, uh, it's a ceremonial command and that we can uh, squirm out of it, so to speak, or, or not really squirm out of it, that's not fair. There um, live in light of Jesus's resurrection means the ceremonial obligation to keep Sabbath is no longer in place, right? Out of all the 10 commandments, this is the only one that Christians really say, yeah, we're trying to figure out and wrestle with how to apply this. Um, And so I'm entering into this conversation fully aware that we probably have different views on Sabbath keeping in this room, and what that looks like and and why, um, and, it's something I'm continually wrestling with myself of how do we keep the, the Sabbath commandment? What is it after? Is there a moral component to the commandment that binds everybody who's a Christian, even on this side of the cross? And um, so with, with that introduction, um, let's, let's meditate on the fact that when you read the Sabbath commandment, you, you're being confronted, Right? Did you feel confronted when it said uh, one day out of seven is not your own, right? Cease from your work. It doesn't tell you what to do. It just says stop working, right? It doesn't say exactly how to fill the time other than to remember. We'll talk about that, right? So it comes with a confrontation. How do you spend your time? Your time is not your own. Uh, There's a whole day that belongs to the Lord. It also comes with a confrontation with our relationship with our work because it's calling us to rest and to stop working. And we live in a culture that uh, we work frenetically and and never stop. And uh, if it wasn't for our our Christian heritage, right, it's really easy for work just to make the, the weeks blend into one long extended period of time and add in cell phones, smartphones, add in, The reality that work is constantly creeping in on our attempts to even stop working, right? So the Sabbath commandment comes with a confrontation. But it's also a gift because it is a call to rest. God commands his people to stop and catch their breath. And he gives great reasons why, as we'll talk about it, right? So Sabbath rest when it's done well. Uh, there's a hymn writer who says, it's a day of rest and gladness, a day of joy and light, a balm of care and sadness, most beautiful, most bright. Right? It's, it's not supposed to be this, um, just you go into the day kicking and screaming, it's a day of misery because there's so many rules. And that, no, it's, it's supposed to be a gift for our joy, for our delight, for our rest, for our good. And so as we wrestle with this commandment, that's what I'm, I'm hoping we're going to do together. It's something that we're called to wrestle with as a, a church community, how to live out what this commandment is after. So let's, let's look at this and how it's for our good and our joy and the benefit of others. Uh, the first point, let's look at the command to rest. Right, the obvious part of the commandment, you work six days, you have one day of rest. If you're Israel, it was the seventh day, it was a Saturday. Uh, that that day belongs to the Lord your God. All right, Sunday through Friday, they were free to work, sun up to sundown. but Saturday was to be distinct, set apart for something different. And you get an idea why as he goes into all the reasons uh, it, here in the text. All right One, um, Israel's going into the promised land. they are outside. Coming out of the wilderness, this is after the, the wilderness generation has died off. They're they're going in, and part of the, the portrait that Deuteronomy wants Israel to understand is that life lived in community with God will not be like life lived in Egypt. You're not slaves. Right? The reason to rest, remember, you're a slave in Egypt. You know the misery of a 24-7 work week with no time off where time is blurred together by your weariness, your painful, endless toil. Remember that you were a slave. Therefore, keep the Sabbath day holy. Look at the commandment in the fact that it is a gift to God's people saying you need rest. Your relationship to me is not defined by your work for me. It's defined by my work for you rest right and it's like i said it's it's a a whole day of rest provided by by a good god and he had a whole community this is israel's life together in mind um right we've talked about the 10 commandments as like a bill of rights for god and for for your neighbor um rest is something you owe your neighbor so think about it that way right like the, the, the commandment is given to the heads of households to give rest to your family to your sons, to your daughters, to your servants, to your animals, and even to the immigrants living among you, the sojourners right? rest Sabbath rest was an obligation to give to your neighbors right? which speaks i then to those in charge will you will you uh, provide a living wage, so to speak? Will you give them the freedom to rest? Will you keep that commandment, right? The Sabbath commandment, it was a gift for everyone under God's rule. It's setting up a culture where slavery and oppression were to be remembered, not reenacted and recreated, right? Don't be like Pharaoh. And so in God's kingdom in Israel, Sabbath rest was for all of God's people, whether rich or poor, Jew or visiting Gentile. Everyone there shall not live under the tyranny of work. It's a Sabbath. It's a a confrontation for sure about how you spend your time, but it's also a gift for those who are overworked. And those who are most often overworked are those who are poor, uh, the sojourner, uh, those who do not have that cushion, Uh, Those who are underneath authority, right? And so God aims at those at at the top. Right, and of course, as I I know I hear this, I'm an American, uh, we have objections to taking a whole day um, set aside from our work, right? Because work is relentless. We live in a culture that doesn't care about the fourth commandment. Um, How do I give up a whole day for my work? Right? and so what it's really helpful to remember you know who, who God is speaking to he's talking to a bunch of farmers right people whose survival depended on working right they, I mean they had works of necessity they had to feed their animals and keep them alive that day but don't think them as any different than us they're human they have chores to do. They have errands to run. They have people to visit. They have animals to care for. There's money to make, right? They want to get ahead, or or they're just they're just that reality that I'm so poor and I have lots of work to do just to stay alive, right? If anything, Israel was being called to set aside a whole day amidst less comfort and luxury than we have, right? So. I say that because we may be unique in this idea of being workaholics, (laughs) but the temptation to always work, to never stop, to never exhale, that's that's been human on this side of the the fall. So it's a good question to ask, why do you work so hard? Why do we struggle to actually rest, to stop? And I, I came across this article, and that's what it's called, Why Do We Work So Hard? And the tagline's really um, pointed. It says, Our jobs have become prisons from which we do not want to escape. All right, and so this author, Ryan, says, You know, the dollars and hours pile up as we aim for a good life that constantly stays out of reach. In moments of exhaustion, we imagine a simpler life with more free time for family and hobbies and ourselves. But we don't want to stop because of the rewards work gives. And here's, here's what he talks about the rewards. The rewards are is work eclipses life's other complications. It's part of the reward of working all the time because work is a cognitive and emotional relief to immerse yourself in while life's other more difficult things just float by. Because the complexities of just solving everyday work problems, they're relatively simple compared to our emotional troubles. Work in that case can be a wonderful refuge. <laughs> Do You understand what he's saying, right? Life stinks, it's just easier to work hard and have something measurable to accomplish and not deal with life's complications, right? Relationships break down, we have pain to deal with, we're physically not well, grief assails us, right? Let's just stay busy So we work. Fixing something feels more productive And meditating on the mysteries and complications of our own heart, right? So we work and part of what God is doing with the Sabbath commandment is is interrupting that process saying don't run away, you are human and by virtue of being made in the image of God, you are not designed to work 24 24-7. one day in seven, you, you actually have time to deal with God, your creator, your king, your Lord. To look at your family members, to look at your neighbors and deal with life's complications. Right? To deal with life's difficulties. I don't naturally connect Sabbath as a day for, for as a balm for care and sadness, as the hymn puts it. But that's what it's for. Because look at the reasons in the Ten Commandments why Israel should rest. And there's two two reasons given because the Ten Commandments are told twice in the scriptures. There's Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5. The first time through the Ten Commandments, the Sabbath commandment in Exodus 20, the reason you keep Sabbath is because you're called to remember that in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth. And he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, he blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Right? So it's, it's saying, remember, you're created. Remember, you live in God's world. And God, when he created, he rested and ceased from his work. Right? So after giving human beings and creating this good world, God stopped. To enter in, to rule, to reign, to enjoy His good world, um, and so that is one of the reasons we need Sabbath. Because what do we forget? We forget that we belong, we live in God's world. We forget what Genesis one points to: God's boundless care and His abundant provision for His creation. Um, right, so, Psalm ninety two which I think you should turn there. This would be helpful. Psalm 92, which is a psalm for the Sabbath. I think it's the only psalm that has that heading, uh, that it's specifically a psalm aimed at the Sabbath day. But it helps us meditate on this idea. What do you do on the Sabbath? And how is it connected to creation? Give you a second to turn there. Verses one to five, right? It says, it is good to give thanks to the Lord and sing praises to your name, O most high, to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night, to the music of the lute, the harp, and the melody of the lyre. For you, O Lord, have made me glad by your work. At the works of your hands, I sing for joy. How great are your works, O Lord. Your thoughts are very deep. Right, so notice a couple things, right? The Sabbath is designed to be a day where you stop and look at the work of God's hands, which would include creation and redemption, right? And the effect on God's people in this psalm, right? Joy, delight, gratitude, praise, right? So it seems you, you combine the commandment in this psalm that the, the God's prescription for our overworked hearts, minds, bodies is for you to look at God's work and feel the gratitude grow and do that on the Sabbath. Right? And you can do that in creation. Right? The, the, the work of God's hand, the, the whole uh, panorama of creation as you look at the flowers and and bees, uh, leaves changing. You look at your livestock if you're a farmer, right? Or you look at babies and families and friendships. I mean, all of this is just testifying to the God who cares intimately about this world, who's put the good work into it to make it beautiful, and he desires it to be at peace. See, part of what the Sabbath is for is to say, hey, this is not your world. This is your father's world and he put you in it and he's given you all kinds of gifts. Have you stopped to look at the work of God's hands, right? But it's also a confrontation, <laughs> right? If we are created, that means you aren't invincible and you're not, you, you cannot work 24 seven. You remember, I mean the kids will remember this. You remember Hermione Granger, right? Harry Potter, I, I thought that would get your attention, <laughs> right? She, for those of you who don't know the story, right, she's a, she's a wizard. Um, she's an ultimate bookworm who loves to study. And in fact, she loves school so much, she laments the fact that there's not enough time in the day to take all the classes she wants. Because they're wizard, she uses magic and she gets this little thing called a time turner where she can go take a class, turn the time back an hour, and then go take another class that's happening at the same time, right? Isn't this everybody's dream come true? More school, right? But you know what she's like at the end of the school year. She only uses it one year because she's just so bone-weary, exhausted, or knackered, I guess, as the Brits would say. She can't handle the stress because even as a wizard, she's human. (laughs) Because Sabbath is saying you are created. Remember God made, he worked, and then he rested. You need to stop and catch your breath and be refreshed. That's what God did, right? We're not able to maintain it. But it's also a gift, right? If, if this is a day to remember the work of God's hands and the, the work of creation, it's a legitimate way to use Sabbath. Go outside, right? Go for a hike. Eat good foods with Christian friends, with friends. I know some folks in this church go golfing on a Sunday afternoon. Um, right, if, if this is looking at God's work, is supposed to bring you joy, right? It should be okay to laugh on the Sabbath. <laughs> right? I mean, there, I'm thinking of very specific, really strict, rigid applications of Sabbath where I've been told not to laugh too loud because it's the Lord's day of rest. Psalm 92 says this is for Joy. Revel in God's steadfast love in the morning and his faithfulness by night. All these activities, if you're gonna do that to stop, to cease your work, require you to trust that God will provide. And that's what creation shows you, God does provide. Or maybe we push back, right? Life is too complicated, too painful, and that's why I can't rest on that day off. Um, The world's brokenness is what's keeping me from a a real rest, which is, right, if you're in the thick of a long-term illness um, or caring for someone with a long-term illness or you're just plagued by anxiety, depression, just general difficulty, right, it doesn't feel like it's easy to rest. Just a day off isn't going to fix it. And you can hear this in Alan Patton's Cry the Beloved Country. It's a beautiful book about an African pastor who's loving his prodigal son in a world full of brokenness and oppression. And just listen to the the way he talks about his country. He says, Cry the beloved country for the unborn child that's the inheritor of our fear. Let him not love the earth too deeply, let him not laugh too gladly when the water runs through his fingers, nor stand too silent when the setting sun makes red the veld with fire. Let him not be too moved when the birds of his land are singing, nor give too much of his heart to a mountain or a valley, for fear will rob him if he gives too much. You can hear what he's saying, it's the world is so broken, I can't rest. Right, I look at creation and it's beautiful, but I'm terrified. Because I can't, I don't feel, I don't feel the beauty. The, the pain is overcoming the beauty. Right. But you know what the Sabbath commandment is tapping into? Right. It's not just a, a day for the present. It's a it's a day designed to go after those pains, to give hope for your pain. Right? It's it's designed to be a taste of what God will do to all of life's complications. Because the seventh day commandment is connected to what we talked way, this is probably what, January. It's connected to the reality of the seventh day of creation, which is looking forward to the day when all things are well. That there remains a Sabbath rest for God's people, an existence in this world without enemies. a tearless future, an eternal Sabbath rest. Get a taste of it now. And I'm not making this up. It's right here in Psalm 92, in the Psalm for the Sabbath, in verse 6. Right, where it says, the stupid man cannot know, the fool can't understand. Right, they don't see God's work. That though the wicked sprout like grass and all evildoers flourish, they are doomed to destruction forever. But you, O Lord, are on high forever. For behold, your enemies, O Lord, for behold, your enemies shall perish. All evildoers shall be scattered. Do you, hear what he's, do you hear the hope being retold if you were to say this psalm every seventh day, right? That someday the Lord will deal with evil, that it will perish. Uh, evil, though, though it looks strong now, is like grass that's going to wither away. Death will be undone. Eternal rest is our inheritance with the living God. See, beginning with the seventh day in creation in Scripture is this hope that God will one day straighten out all that is crooked, heal what is broken, purge what is evil, to give God's people rest from their enemies. It's a theme that runs from Genesis to Revelation. And so when you're told, hey, every seventh day you need to rest, it's saying you need to cultivate hope every time you gather as God's people to deal with life's complications, to to remember that God's work is to right what is wrong in the world. Right? Some of that, you get that from, from Exodus 20, just so you can see how, just in the text, how much the seventh day is grounded in the way that the commandment is given. Remember the Sabbath. That commandment begins with the seventh letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So I'm gonna nerd out for a second. Right? But then it also goes on to list seven categories of creatures who are commanded to rest or given that gift of rest. So even in the way the the commandment is given, it is saying the seventh day is so important. It's tapping into this theme of what God will do. And so therefore, one day a week, rest and remember that the Lord your God will bring you into his eternal Sabbath rest. Pray that prayer, Lord. Behold your enemies, scatter them. Our sorrows need that that reality. We need to hear God's promise to give the weary, the oppressed, those beat up by life hope that they can stop and see the work of God's hand in the past to overcome oppression, and his promise to do that in the future. All right. That's right here in the text. So the Sabbath is good news for those beaten up by life. It's calling you to remember the gospel, and to do that to deal with life's complications, you actually need time to do it if you never if you always work and never stop you're not going to find hope just just in your work right. so that's that's the first part of this commandment remember you're created, remember the story of creation that God will one day uh, lead his people into an eternal Sabbath rest. And second, in Deuteronomy, our text, right, it says, yeah, you want to remember the work of God's hands, look specifically at what God's mighty hand did in his work of redemption. He rescued you. It was his work to bring you out of slavery from Egypt. In other words, on the Sabbath day, what was Israel called to do? Meditate on what they contributed to their salvation which was what? Nothing. It was the result of God's steadfast love. It was the result of God's faithfulness. It was the result of God's power. Part of the rest they experience is because look what God has done for us. Right, remember and rest in the reality that you you were saved by grace and grace alone. So it's stop working and look at God's work on your behalf. That's, that's what God's telling Israel to do. All right, what, what does that look like? Well, Deuteronomy 9 is really blunt about this to help them remember the gift. Deuteronomy 9 says, as you get ready to go into the promised land, don't say in your heart, as the Lord leads you into victory and thrusts out the Canaanites before you, well, it's because of how great I am that the Lord has given me the land that it's because of my righteousness that the Lord has brought me here to possess this land. No, Moses goes on to say, know therefore that the Lord, your God, is not giving you this good land to possess because of your righteousness, because you're stubborn. <laughs> right? It's really blunt. And Then he goes on to say, remember and don't forget how you provoke the Lord to wrath in the wilderness. In other words, remember grace and remember the fact that you needed it to be a gift, that you did not deserve this. The houses that you did not build, the cities you did not construct, the wells you did not dig, the vineyards you did not plant, it was all the result, the fruit of God's unconditional grace to his people. And so how do you apply that? Well, one of the reasons we have a hard time resting as humans And we're tempted to stay busy and just avoid life's complications. Part of what Deuteronomy 9 is telling us you and I are part of our own life's complications. (laughs) Right? I'm stubborn. It's not because of my righteousness that God has given me this gift. We have regret, we have past hurts, we have things we're ashamed of, we wanna be better than we are. We have this inner self-reproach. I mean, this is why we work so hard. I wanna be the best. I want people to see my work and I want them to celebrate my work and I want them to make a big deal about me. Sabbath interrupts that conversation to say, look at the rescuing grace of God and how he has freed you from slavery to death, to sin and fear. And so one day in seven, use that day to remember the grace of God. His work of forgiveness and rescue, the work of God's hands. It's a gift for your joy and God's glory. And so, you can grow in gratitude by thinking about creation and the beauty and, and all the gifts he's given. You grow in gratitude as you remember your inability, your weakness, and God's rescue. Gratitude for grace will grow on the Sabbath. And this is a really important point because do you remember the, the punishment for Sabbath breakers? Right. In Exodus 31, if you broke Sabbath, it was a death penalty. Right, Take them outside the camp and stone the Sabbath breakers. And I know I read that and go, uh, I didn't think that day was that big of a deal. Right? Why, why such a severe judgment for Sabbath breaking in the Old Testament? Right, and so one of the things I find helpful, <clears throat> yeah, I'll, read, I'll read Exodus 31. It says, you shall keep the Sabbath because it is holy for you. Everyone who profanes it shall be put to death. And whoever does any work on it, that soul shall be cut off from among his people. You go, whoa. (laughs) That escalated. But what is the person who's working on the Sabbath, communicating to God and to their neighbor? One, they're saying, I can work my way into into rest. I don't need God's gifts. They're saying my righteousness is enough. I mean, to ignore the commandment in Israel's day and their covenant context was to tell God and show your neighbors that you don't trust God to provide and that you have to work to get yourself rest. See, to work on the Sabbath was to reject the gospel in the Old Testament to reject the gospel of grace. The Sabbath was supposed to be this visible, embodied picture of the grace of God so that Israel would receive and rest on God's work alone for creation and salvation. And all those who ignored that commandment were saying, I don't need that gift. I'll, I'll, I'll take my life into my own hands, so to speak. I got this. which then helps us understand Jesus. Why did Jesus come to die? For Sabbath breakers, right? Who, the Jesus who was put to death outside the city, cut off from God's people, um, right? Under God's judgment for those who profane that day, for all those who believed their righteousness is enough. You know, I got this, I'm not that bad. No, here's what Horatius Bonar wrote in his hymn about Jesus and the way we remember God's gift of grace to us. It says, not what my hands have done can save my guilty soul. Not what my toiling flesh has borne can make my spirit whole. Nothing I feel or do can give me peace with God. Not all my prayers and sighs and tears can bear my awful load. Thy work alone, O Christ, can ease this weight of sin. Thy blood alone, O Lamb of God, can give me peace within. Your love to me, O God, not mine to you, can rid rid me of this dark unrest and set my spirit free. Do you hear what he's getting after? That thy grace alone, O God, can speak pardon to me. Your power alone, O Son of God, can break this sore bondage. No other work save yours, no other blood will do. No strength will save except which is divine. It's only you who will bear me safely through. See, this is what, why the Sabbath commandment, I think, this is an attempt at an answer, was the judgment was so severe. It's because it was so anti-gospel to work on the Sabbath. All right, if, if Israel was called to rest and remember God's work alone on that day, and to cease from their work, what about us as Christians who we are called to rest and remember Jesus' work for us? And what do we contribute to our salvation? Right? Nothing apart from the sin which demanded him pay take our place. And so, remember the Sabbath, take one day and seven to remember and rest in God's work of creation and salvation. That's the logic of the seventh day, right? Now, how does Jesus transform this commandment, right? How does it move from you shall stone the Sabbath breakers to Jesus going, hey, I'm speaking to everybody who needs rest, right? That's what Matthew 11, we read, says, come to me, everyone who is weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly, and you'll find rest for your souls. Right. The other gospel or the Sabbath bombshell Jesus drops right after that. You know what he says? I am the Lord of the Sabbath. In other words, one of the ways Jesus describes his work is to be all about Sabbath rest. Where he is saying, I have come to show you what the Sabbath is all about. To give you the gift of Sabbath rest. All right. And so you put that together. This is how Jesus transforms the commandment for us. It's Instead of saying, like Israel, right, rest, rest in the work of creation and slavery from Egypt. Jesus is saying, no, come and rest in my work for you as your creator and your redeemer. That is a big claim, right? Remember and rest in Jesus, who is the Lord, the word by which all things were created, who is the same person who rescued you by grace from slavery to sin and death. That's why you can go on to say, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's not that he takes away commandment keeping, he says, look, the, the yoke you're taking on is my work for you. I've set the trajectory. I did humble hard work for you. Right? The gift is Jesus working on your behalf. Right? So when Jesus, as, as he goes to the cross, as he died, he said those famous words, it is finished. And you go, okay, well, What is finished? And the answer in John is his work. Jesus has the audacity to say in prayer to his father, Father, I have finished everything you've commanded me to do. The work is done. And part of that work, what did Jesus, Jesus just transformed the way the Sabbath was remembered and what the day was spent doing You think about everybody who's just languishing because of life's complications. They're lonely, they're sick, they're weak, they're drowning in guilt, they're, they're struggling with shame. Jesus came for those people specifically and made that day a balm of care and sadness. Care for their sadness, right? On the Sabbath, he healed the sick. On the Sabbath, he, he said it was okay if you're hungry because you don't have food and you're poor to do a little work like rubbing grain between your hands to eat, <laughs> right? Jesus transformed the way the day was spent where he says, I want you to look out in your community and say, how can you t- do good, good kind works? Go use the day for mercy, Of course, Jesus' work included then as he lived out the Sabbath, as he honored the Sabbath, as he rested in his father's work, you find him dying outside the city, crying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Where are you? As he's being treated as a Sabbath breaker, as someone who did not trust God's work. It's the gift of grace. But the way he fulfills that commandment, what did he do on the Sabbath. On the actual seventh day after he died, he rested. He was in the tomb. If you want a picture of somebody who is wholly dependent and trusting that God must do the work that he promised he would do, you have Jesus, the divine son of God, sent by the Father to die in his place and told, I will raise you from the dead. He rested on the Sabbath. And on the third day God raised him from the dead, showing us what faith and rest looks like, trusting that God will provide. Right. And so by faith, if you're a Christian, this is what it means to be this is what it means to be a Christian, right? You are completely dependent on Jesus' work, on his work as the Lord of the Sabbath. And his work was to lead us into God's rest right now. Because if you, if you really come to Jesus by faith, it starts to put to death your self-condemnation, where you look at your work and just beat yourself up because it's never good enough. Right? There is no condemnation right now for those who are in Christ Jesus. And by faith, we enter into God's rest right now, even as we look for the eternal Sabbath to come. Right? We're looking, we have this hope of resurrection because Jesus is resurrected. So we, we have a place to go with our life's complications. To say, God, you need, I am trusting your work to fix this because this is a mess right now. I can't fix it. Right. So Jesus, there's a lot more that could be said. But let me, let's, let's end this way. How do we as Christians, this is driving me nuts. I not want to stay on. How do we as Christians keep the Sabbath commandment in light of the gospel, right? That, I mean, that's the payoff. Is the seventh day still in effect? And the Westminster Confession says yes, only now it's, it's moved to the Lord's day because Jesus is alive. That, that, that Sunday is the Christian Sabbath, uh, the, the day where God expects God's people to gather to rest and to remember. So take that one day to stop and remember and rest in Jesus' work, to cultivate gratitude, to read Psalm 92, to see that those who are righteous flourish in God's presence like a a tree in the temple. And so the, the confrontation, of course, that comes with the Sabbath commandment is to make a priority of remembering God's grace. And historically, right, the, the church has said it's that's Sunday. That's coming to church. <laughs> that that's how that the logic of the commandment goes. Right? It's a gift. It's a confrontation to say, "Come, lay your deadly doing down, down at Jesus's feet. Do that together as God's people. Remember your sin. Remember grace. But come and experience the gift." Right? You. This is the. The purpose of coming to church on a Sunday is you get to walk in the room and hear God speak the gospel and you get to exhale and say, this is true. God really did do this work for me. I spent a lot of time in the last week trying to justify my own existence by my own work and it's left me miserable. (laughs) Jesus, tell me the gospel again. It's a gift of rest and it's also meant to be a a taste of the eternal sabbath to come where not only are you enjoying creation and the community that god's given you uh, it's it's designed to cultivate hope where you look ahead and say this battle will not always be so because christ has won the victory (laughs) i can rest that he will finish his work one day And so here's, for those who don't view Sunday as a Christian Sabbath, and I know there's some of us, um, because the, the, their argument is that, that the, the one day in seven was a ceremonial thing for Israel. Right. There still is that, that seemingly moral obligation to stop and not work 24 seven, seven days a week, right? to wrestle with the wisdom of saying, how do we live out our faith in public as Sabbath keepers in Christ? Where we show there, there's a difference in the way we rest because we have Jesus. Whatever that looks like for those who don't see Sunday as a Christian Sabbath. Right? I mean, this, this takes a lot of intention. Um, to have a community of people say together, we're gonna stop, we're gonna spend time together, we're going to not work, we're not gonna think about work, we're gonna put away the cell phone, whatever that looks like, and spend time getting to know each other and thinking about God and his grace. Um, It takes communication, it takes time, it takes intention, intentionality. I mean, I've only ever seen it done a handful of times where a group of people have said, you know, we're not gonna study on a Sunday. Instead, we're just gonna go to church, we're gonna eat meals, we're gonna go on hikes, we're gonna go do stuff, right? This was a group of my friends in college. Right? As adults, it's a lot more complicated. It takes a higher level of commitment and intentionality. But there's great reward because rest <laughs> is given, right? Uh, Judith Shulevitz was a secular New Yorker, and she talks about rediscovering the wisdom of Sabbath even as a non-Christian. Where she said, "You know, most people mistakenly believe that all you have to do to rest is to stop working. But the people who made up the Sabbath understood it was much more complicated. You cannot just downshift that casually or easily. And that's why the Puritans and the Jewish Sabbath had such strict intentional commandments going with them. Ideally, right, ideally, (laughs) they weren't designed to torture the faithful. No, these these rules were saying, this takes a really difficult, strenuous act of the will that needs habit, it needs repetition, and it needs a community to make it happen. And so, a challenge for us right go and learn what it means when Jesus says the Sabbath day is a day designed for acts of mercy as you remember and rest in the work of Christ how are we going to do that together right let's let's learn how to spend time together on the Sabbath let's pray Our father as we experience a little bit of your rest today uh, that, that by faith we can Bring our hurts, our woes, our weakness to Jesus and, and find that he will carry them for us. Um, I pray you would help us learn to rest so that you might form us into a people who give a compelling witness to the world that you are good and you promise to provide for us. And you have provided for us in your son and that gives us great hope for the future. So may we believe the gospel and, and, and may rest be the, the fruit of our belief, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.